0: Are you pulling a tanner and not running the intro?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are absolute garbage at our intros and videos now.
0: Well, and I totally forgot, you know, I'm not used to the new studio yet that it's black. So I look like a floating head here, <laughs> I think. So I'm taking off the. the I'm wearing a black shirt. Heady. I'm wearing a black shirt too. Damn, Chuck just there we turned go. up
1: this podcast a notch. Got, there we go. Need, hey, Tim, play Nelly hot in here. Uh, bum, 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 <laughs> bum, 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 bum. All right, Chuck. Let's uh, let's dive into this week's news. Uh, let's get off the topic of you taking off your, your sweatshirt and your shirt. Yes.
0: So, story number one. Shell came out this week. They announced that they had to divert $7 billion to cash to cover margin calls on their hedges. And it was primarily all on their natural gas hedges. And... I bring this up kind of first because this is a big deal, and this is the first time we've seen this. You know, natural gas is at what the eight or nine year high, pushing up over six dollars per m. And all these guys that are hedged at two dollars and fifty cents, three dollars, are having to post margin calls. It's and kind of crazy. Seven right? billion is a lot. I mean, they <laughs> sold. What did they sell the Permian for? Like nine billion. Well, so they basically took the Permian and placed it into margin. You know, we were at a PE shop the other day and I made a
1: joke about, you know, kind of like sarcastically, like, oh, I know you guys are hurting in a hundred dollar oil. And, then you know, they said under their breath, like, yeah, it's just 60. <laughs> and, <so, laughs> and we were grateful. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so that's kind of wild that you see these things uh, happening. And why don't you give us like real quick rundown on what a margin call is for yeah. someone that may not know?
0: Yeah, so if you're a small private equity backed company, you generally have a line of credit with a bank. So think Wells Fargo, Citibank, whoever, and you do your hedges through their desk. And because they have a lien on your oil and gas assets for the loan. You don't have to post margin. So if you hedge at three bucks, they're like, okay, we know they're going to sell that MCF in the future. They're going to get three bucks, you know, so they'll realize six bucks. They'll send us the the difference. What happens if you're a big guy, like a shell, probably diamondback, probably pioneer, your debt is unsecured bonds. Mm -hmm. And so what you do is you just go hedge by trading on, um, the, uh, CME and you, you know, you go, you short, you go long, whatever you want to do, but each one of those contracts that you enter, whether it's locking in your price or whatever, uh, is a levered contract. And so if I sell, um, puts, if you will, well, that's not good. If I lock in a contract at $3 and it goes to six, The counterparty sitting there saying, whoa, time out. You got to prove to me you're going to be able to pay this. And generally, you're going to have to post the difference between six and three in cash, in your account, at your broker that you trade with the NYMEX through. Yeah, I liked, um, you know, during the... Um, kind of
1: quarantine with the rise of retail trading on the robin hood app you know robin hood i don't know if you've actually been through the process of signing up for an options account on Robinhood, but it's kind of scary how easy it is to access options and margin trading and a lot of people don't know how margin works so you always see all these posts on wall street bets like i just got margin called you know what does that mean <laughs> and all of a sudden you know they owe Robinhood like 10 grand or whatever to uh, cover a trade. So essentially, you know, these big operators, they're trading on margin. So they're levered trades. And if it gets too far out of the money, then they have to cover that with cash.
0: Yeah. And so why this is a big deal is everybody kind of knew people had been hedged and you see the price run up. So, you know, there's going to be some call for folks to have to post margin. So one, it's a use of cash Two, for all the politicians. And maybe this is a hint towards what finger of the week is. But with all these politicians going oils at 100 and all that, you may only be realizing 60 for it. Yeah. And and so that's that's kind of a real real issue. You know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter
1: dunking on EMPs for being hedged, but this is actually something me and Bomber agree on, um, which me and Bomber agree on a lot. I don't know what I'm saying. Like, I don't think the only thing we don't agree on is <laughs> you did. Bitcoin. Um, but Bomber and I were talking because all these people are dunking on companies for hedging, and it's like these are large corporations; they have to hedge. You're running a business, you know. You got to flatten out the uh highs highs and lows and so cool you know you can be like a sandridge and just raw dog it and have no hedges (laughs) and you know get all the upside but um you know look at how sandridge has performed historically it's not the right way to run a company so i know a lot of these emps get busted up online about being hedged at 60 70 dollars when you have 100 dollars. but i mean in hindsight, that was probably the the right, I mean, or if you go back to, you know, when they put those hedges in, um, there's probably the right move. And, you know, I'm so unqualified to talk about hedge books. Like I don't understand hedging strategies well, at but all, but
0: I think the other thing that's missed by the market out there is it's, it's a cost of capital tool because, and we'll just do some real simple math here. Let's say we go buy something for a hundred and we do it all with equity. And because of the price run up, uh, or because we drill good wells or whatever, in five years we sell it 200. So we made two times our money um, during that five year period. Now let's take the same scenario where we buy something for 100, but we use 50% debt, 50% levered. So we cut a 50 million dollar equity check and a 50 million dollar debt check. And we sell for two hundred in year five, and let's assume interest rates are zero, even though they're not. There'll be a little leakage for that. Yeah. But when you sell for two hundred and you pay the fifty back, you got one fifty. So you made one hundred and fifty million on your equity on an investment of fifty million. Mm-hmm. So you made three x same scenario, just different capital structures. And so what I think the market misses is. And, and I had this discussion with somebody, I think it was Trisha Curtis. Trisha was saying, well, prices are low. You, of course you should be unhedged. Well then you're cutting a hundred percent equity check because a borrower will not let you borrow money at two and three and four and 5% interest if it's unhedged. So you, it, it's somewhat circular in that, um, you have to look at it as kind of cost of capital and, I would rather have certainty on a two and a half times my money than to bet on product price. Because if you're going to do that, just go trade on the NYMEX, you know, go trade commodities. Yeah. If that I mean, makes that's,
1: sense. And that's kind of like what I was going back to. Like, I mean, look, when me and Jake bought some oil wells in 2018, some little strip of wells, you know, had the thesis that, Hey, oil is going to run up, and this would be a great way to have direct commodity exposure, and we can make a quick flip on these. And then guess what? That didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, uh, I learned very quickly that I do not want to operate oil and gas wells. <laughs> is the long, long story short there? But I mean, that's completely different than an EQT who has, you know thousand employees or whatever it may be and they got to actually run a full-on operation and corporation and you know have advanced uh financing strategies and things of that nature so um you know understand why companies like that have to hedge you know Mm -hmm. You know, I walk around here saying that hedging's for pussies, but um also understand that corporations have to run a different a different model. But so let's
0: let's discuss that. If we could guarantee the revenue at next year's Empower, would you do it? Mm. (laughs) Maybe. Mm. Thinking a little different. Now hedging ain't so bad after (laughs) all, is it? Yeah,
1: yeah i mean it would be nice to be able to plan around guaranteed revenue so
0: yeah no i remember the day around here when we uh basically had broken even on uh empower and it was a good day yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <it laughs> yeah, was, stress level goes down stress, a little just bit a, just a little bit yeah. yes so cool got all right our, got our
1: lesson on hedging there next story i want to move to uh was a really interesting story um, it didn't seem to get a lot of coverage. Uh, just uh, I saw a couple of things about it on Twitter, but Nextera, um, which if you're not familiar with Nextera, I mean, Nextera is a energy company. They have both oil and gas assets and renewable assets. A lot of people don't seem to know about their oil and gas operations. If you look at their probably stock, by design, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a genius design. Um, if you look at their uh, stock performance over you know the last uh, five years or so compared to other energy companies i mean they're uh, clearly outperforming but they were found guilty of killing 150 bald eagles and golden eagles up in wyoming at one of their uh, wind turbine farms um, so they had over eight million dollars in fines and thought this was really interesting because you always hear about wind turbines killing birds and i've always kind of written it off as just kind of like you know it's just a talking point that um anti-renewable folks use and you know honestly like if you're killing crows and shit who cares (laughs) but these are bald eagles and i don't know if you've ever seen a bald eagle i lived up in the pacific northwest for a few years and man bald eagles are majestic like when you see one i mean it's just like holy shit like this is amazing and just to think about those things getting chopped up by wind turbines is well, crazy is it, is
0: it chop or do they just because the wind turbines move slow, yeah, they move no, slow. they're don't they just run, they're just running don't, into don't home, they yeah, fly into and it and break breaking their neck, breaking their neck yeah and falling. yeah so yeah. Less
1: but less graphic I mean, for the kids yeah. <laughs> yeah. when i say chopped up i mean just like you know they're they're flying through these uh, wind turbine farms and hitting the blades but anyways someone replied to my comment like they're like, <laughs> they're like yeah but this is over 10 10 years i'm like dog that's 15 eagles a year can you imagine that we know about that we know yeah, yeah. and it was very clear 150 that are documented that we know right. about and what we do know also is that there are crews that will go out to these wind turbine farms first thing in the morning and pick up the birds before <laughs> they're reported before right?
0: anyone sees it yeah, yeah
1: and so you know next era you know, it was found guilty. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting in there that you had comments from um, the uh, wildlife uh, department. I I can't remember the official name of the uh, agency there in Wyoming, but said that, you know, next air or the operator wasn't cooperating with them, knew this was an issue and wasn't cooperating. So that's why they were so strict on this. Um, But, yeah, I thought that comment that I got on Twitter was interesting. It's like, oh, well, this is over 10 years. And I'm like, that's a lot of eagles over 10 years. And if you had a drilling rig, I mean, you know this um, from some of uh, your portfolio companies at Kane, but the Permian Basin, I mean, there was a legitimate threat to shut it down, I believe back in like 2013 over some desert lizard endangered
0: there there was a lizard and then there was a special kind of plant life that i thought looked like a weed but yeah yeah but and we had you know in california um, we had a field out there the kettleman middle dome that literally was surrounded by the blunt-nosed leopard lizard That's on the endangered species list. And the reason it was endangered is because it's the single stupidest animal on the planet. It would run and jump into the side of a truck and commit suicide (laughs) in effect. But every time we had one of those die, we had to have an autopsy by a biologist and prove that it was uh, natural causes and that we didn't cause it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's this thing called natural selection, right? Um, Not
0: all species are meant to survive. (laughs)
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think about the, the double standard here. If that was an oil rig, I mean, even in West Texas, you were so protective of the cattle of cows and the measures that you go through to protect those cows is insane. And then you go up to the North slope. I was talking on Twitter the other day, you know, I think I'm one of the only people, um, on Twitter that's uh, that's trained in polar bear survival (laughs) and people are like, I would love to know what that actually learned something new about you every day. What's involved (laughs) in polar bear survival. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now, there's not much involved it's like you try to get away <laughs> you try to run away um you don't chuck have i have to outrun you <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. it's like hope that you're in a in a pair of threes and be the fastest out of the, out of those three people um but pretty much like you can't do anything to that polar bear um they're so protected and you actually have to call in a, a native a, a inuit to come remove the polar bear um out of the area you can't try to scare it off get it out like you cannot disturb that polar bear so the measures that the oil and gas industry goes to to protect wildlife spent so much time on offshore uh deep water gulf of mexico you so much lose your hard hat if it blows over the handrail i mean you're getting written up ran off they have to file a report with uh bessie like i mean super strict when it comes to wildlife and Um, I just imagine if we had a rig out in West Texas that was just somehow killing 15 eagles a year, like don't think that would fly.
0: Yeah. And and the the whole point is not to trash on wind. It's just to be realistic about the issues and circumstances facing each one of these energy supplies. We got to be real about it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also to learn from it like what kind of surveys and analysis needs to be ran. You know I feel for next era because you put up I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars that uh wind turbine project costs but you put it up and then what can you do at that point You're like oh shit it's killing eagles you gotta big, take it down <laughs> big net <laughs> yeah <laughs> big net around. yeah yeah big a big eagle net <laughs> around the facility <laughs> um so you know sympathetic to them and that but also um, you know, if the wildlife department says that you're not cooperating or working with them to take measures. You know, if the wildlife department's giving you advice and you're not taking it, then um, you know, you yeah, kind of get what's coming to you. So anyways, interesting story there. Um, so
0: real quick, before we leave that story, I have a trivia question for you. Everyone pretty much in the energy business knows that Denmark, receives the highest percentage of its electricity from wind generation mm-hmm. almost 50 percent who is number two on the list in the whole wide world what country gets the most of their electricity from wind besides denmark Ooh. because i did not know this That's
1: an interesting question. Okay, so here's say, what, here's yeah, what I'm I am going to be a country.
0: Hold on. I'm going to give <laughs> you one little hint here. So when we look at three, four, five, six, Ireland, Portugal, Luxembourg, Spain, United Kingdom, Germany, Greece, those all make sense, right? That Europe's doing a lot of that. Yeah. So that's kind of one through whatever. Like an, seven. I it's, bet there's like an African number two. country. So actually, I think the highest ranking African country is Kenya at 16%. Okay, so who's number two? Uruguay. Really? Okay. I had no idea. That makes sense. I don't even think I could find Uruguay on a map.
1: No, I think that I think that makes sense. I didn't know that, but now that I'm thinking about it. 43%. Okay. Texas has to be getting up there if, tex- if we consider Texas a country.
0: Yeah, Texas has had days where I think fifty percent of its almost, power we're getting is almost, wind. Yeah, we're generated. getting almost
1: to fifty percent on uh, certain days. So that's uh, something that a lot of people don't know. When you talk about renewables and oil and gas, they always think Texas is an oil and gas state, which it is, obviously. But we're also the leader in the United States for wind power, and soon
0: might be a leader in solar. Yeah, as we're well. creeping. So, yeah, I mean we're just. A, I mean, a West Texas is ugly. If we just put a bunch of solar panels over it, that's going to be fine. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's, mean, yeah, that's always the criticism of solar is you know the footprint and all. But the but... problem
1: is is transmission. I mean,
0: if the Northeast needs, you know, I, I
1: love, I love picking on the Northeast for energy policy because guess what? You can't use solar panels up there. You can't use right. you know you can use wind turbines uh, offshore, but you have limited real estate. The sun doesn't shine much um you know you have access to hydro
0: but yeah i mean we've got 35 gigawatts of generation out in west texas and i think what 12 or 13 gigawatts of actual transmission to where the people are but that's so so
1: i was talking to someone who i can't say who it is
0: but he hacks he has
1: access to arguably more energy asset data than anyone in the world at least in the United States. So I'm talking oil and gas deals, renewable deals, okay. and he makes money from all of it. So he's not biased, but he was telling me, you know, he just going on a rant about how renewable projects don't make sense. Remove renewable energy credits from these deals. He's like, why is there even such thing as stranded, stranded renewable assets? He's like, they build these things. They don't care about connectivity to the grid. They don't care about transmission. They just want to build as much as they can. And that's actually pretty damaging because you think about it, like why why do you not have to report renewable energy production like you do oil and gas production? They only report nameplate capacity, but they don't actually report you know, on an individual basis true actual produce energy. They don't have the same bonding requirements that oil and gas has. So um, people are just building – as fast as they can and receiving, uh, RECs and like, don't really give a shit if it
0: <laughs> And that's what I think that you're seeing in West Texas. To well, degrees. I mean, nobody knows that that nameplate capacity that's based on 25 to 30 mile per hour winds. I mean, I think you have to have 10 to 12 mile per hour winds to even generate any electricity. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, five mile per hour wind, those things don't even move.
1: And then also, I mean, they can't operate if wind is too high. Like, tornado comes through and right <laughs> so there's a sweet spot for when wind, wind production <laughs> tornado comes through and just tears them apart so uh you can't have too little wind and not too much wind. you just have to have just, it, just right the wind. but yeah i thought uh i thought that was an interesting conversation with him maybe i'll get him on a podcast sometime and uh we can talk to him about that but anyways what do we got next so this is good news hold, if you're for hold on just a second yeah. G.W. Goldman in the comment said, Texas is not a country. Uh, sounds like a Michigan boy. Yeah. That's what that yeah. sounds like. A, a comment from a true Yankee. Exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, we were a country. I think we're the only state that joined the union under treaty. So, uh, no. So, this is, this is interesting is, so, air travel. We have kind of post-COVID stuff had been about, of pre-pandemic type levels, Well, the last couple of months have amped up. So March hit 88%. April so far is tracking 91%. The TSA number of passengers that have gone through um, security up 3% last week versus the week before. If you look out international, everybody's up, Canada, Brazil, U.S., all these trips. The only thing that's down is China, and they're down about 20%, and that makes sense because they're on lockdown because of COVID. This has been the one bit of demand for oil that has not come back, and it's not huge. I think it's 20%. Air travel is 15 20% of all oil demand. But, boy, if this is skyrocketing back, Demand's just screaming right now.
1: Yeah, demand's screaming. Something interesting that I've seen. I don't know if something's going on, but like at um, Bush International, the security lines for travel are so long. And I've traveled out of that airport, can't tell you how many times, and like never had to wait on security like the lines that I'm seeing. So I don't know if they, um, you know, ratcheted down TSA personnel during – covid and just haven't ramped it back up or if there's just more people i mean right there it sounded like you know he said three percent increase in people going through tsa um so just kind of um you know some evidence i've seen personally at houston
0: airports like it's
1: definitely packed,
0: and it feels like the the proverbial pent-up demand you know march is generally spring break so it feels like everybody jumped on an airplane yeah. And it, and it bumped up and they enjoyed it. So they're flying, yeah. flying again. And Conspiracy so
1: this is- theory or theorists and me, uh, you made a comment about China uh, shutting down for COVID. I also think a great way to shut down uh, or to suppress rising energy prices and demand for other commodities is lockdowns as well. Um, so You know, I think that there I've seen other conspiracy theories, too, where like, hey, is China locking down to increase uh, inflation in the in the United States. So, um, you know, I I think it's uh, interesting. The one thing that killed energy demand was COVID lockdowns. And so do you see that happening in the future of people or governments putting restrictions on? Uh, travel to offices or anything like that to
0: curb energy demand? I mean, it's it's sick watching the videos from there. There are people pressing up against fences, screaming for food. I mean, 25 million people in uh, Shanghai, and they're on lockdown, and that's the biggest port. So... I mean, it's. I've become the tinfoil hat guy. It's. It's not just hanging out with Rando that's done it. It's stuff like this, <laughs> you know. The, the 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 thing that worries me is: is this lockdown because this is a deadly variant? You know, because the information that's going to come out of China is going to be wrong. It's going to be a lie. You never know what's true. Really is it a deadly variant? That's unusual because generally variants are are less virulent as time goes on. So that's a worry, or is this is this some geopolitical thing having to do with uh, Taiwan? Because I think Taiwan's number one on their list to do, and you know how does that fit in? Are we gonna yeah. are we gonna jack up inflation on the United States? Yeah, so. world's just a uh, crazy place right now. So. We'll see,
1: see how it all plays out.
0: All right, real quick, you did something last weekend at your house, and you posted videos of it. Oh, lay it on us. You're now a Bitcoin miner, right? Time I'm,
1: yeah, I'm not officially a Bitcoin miner yet. Uh, if we weren't going to Vegas this week, I was actually like a little upset that we had to go to Vegas this week because my Bitcoin mining is probably going to be
0: pushed off until uh this coming weekend in case anyone in the audience wants to know what a geek colin is he doesn't want to go to <laughs> vegas without his wife but wants to be in the backyard bitcoin mining. Yeah. hey
1: look i i am a nerd and i'm not ashamed of that but yeah um so i got a black box from upstream data uh, steve barber hooked me up with one and i'm gonna put it to the test because i built this platform out in the backyard, and I'm going to put the box out there and see how it does in Houston, Texas heat, see if it can keep air circulated because the way that it's built, it's got a divider down the middle with vents on both sides, so you bring in cold air on this side, and then hot air goes out on, on this side. So we're going to see if the air circulation works. Got a couple S9 miners. Uh, Ryan Leachman over from uh, J Energy hooked me up uh, with one of those. And so I'm not going to feel too bad if I burn up these S9s (laughs) outside. If they were S19s, uh, it'll it'll be a little bad. Yeah, Um, here's a comment right now is, except you forgot to run uh, comms to it. So that's my holdup right now is I had to run 220 lines from my electrical panel in the garage, put them through the wall, ran them underground. If I was smart, which I'm not. I would have ran a separate conduit with uh, Ethernet going to it and just ran a router in my garage. But now I got to go get an electrical box. I'm going to put a router in there on top of the mine and then I'll pour it in Ethernet. So by this weekend should be hashing some corn and, uh, and, uh,
0: and discuss the provisions of your house lease with me too uh, I cannot do that <laughs> in a
1: public uh, forum uh, one
0: I'm not really familiar with what, what those terms are but I'm
1: a guy that likes to ask
0: for uh, forgiveness instead of permission and, and not so. for permission so <laughs> alrighty well you don't even know this because you ran in late but we've got the finger of the week here goes <laughs> today is gouged at the gas pump, Um, big oil in America's pain at the pump. They had an option to do that, to increase their ability right now, not to have to frack, not to have to drill more, but to simply at their ability right now to raise the amount of gas that they... What the so, so, Colin, Colin what we, nor- about? So we normally do Finger of the Week. And as I was thinking about it, that was Representative Jan Schakowsky. Schakowsky. And believe it or not, she is actually on the Energy Committee in the House of Representatives. And I was thinking she deserved the Finger of the Week for saying, hey, you don't have to frack. You don't have to drill more wells. You just need to turn on more gasoline. So I was thinking that was Finger of the Week. But now, actually... She is like, we're going to put her in the Wildcatters Hall of Fame because she (laughs) has found a source of oil that does not require drilling or fracking. So kudos to her. Yeah, I mean, look, we have been chasing
1: infinite energy. You know, that is the holy grail of society. So I'm glad that we're able to reach this paradigm shift and society can
0: prosper from here on out. Perpetual motion machine, <laughs> and we ha- we yeah. have it now. So, uh, anyway, uh, Senator, uh, I mean, uh, Representative shikowski either finger of the week, or we'll put you in the Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> there we go. All right, uh, what are we doing this week? Uh, this week, uh, Chuck and I will be in
1: Vegas at the Quorum Connections Conference. So, if you are there, come check us out. We are speaking tomorrow, Wednesday, at two o'clock Pacific time um got a really great panel uh with a few folks on there from emps and from quorum uh talking about the adoption of oil and gas technologies so come check it out come hang out with us there and you got anything that on that or no everything?
0: i'm just looking forward to the encore beach club tomorrow <laughs> night after we uh, after we speak all right yeah if
1: you're in vegas uh come hang out with us at encore so we'll catch you guys next week uh if you can help us out share this with a friend Um, leave us a comment subscribe to us on youtube and we will catch you guys next week